Okay, wonderful. So I'm gonna go totally spontaneous right now, and I need some help. So Josiah, are you still in the room? Yeah. There you are. Josiah, can you come up here and can you get on the djembe, please? Um, so we're gonna go spontaneous. Um, uh, not the whole time. We can't. I can't be spontaneous the whole time. Okay, but uh, we are going to go. Um, spontaneous right now. And so this is because we all, well, no, I, this might not be true. There are words that Jesus spoke that Jesus still is speaking, right? He is the living word. And so he spoke and continues to speak through those words. And so if those words like are in us, like if we know those words, that's really valuable. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen for that? Okay, okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a little Bible proclamation situation. Okay? Bible proclamation situation. You've probably never heard of that before, neither have I. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to proclaim the Bible. Okay, so I want everyone to get loose, so we're going to start with your shoulders. Just loosen up your shoulders. Take a deep breath. Okay. Now remember, some of what Jesus taught was this. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you become like a child. Okay? Jesus said that. So childlikeness right now is where you're going. Okay? Take another deep breath. Okay? Everyone ready to be childlike? You want to go into the kingdom of heaven, right? Everyone ready to be childlike? Childlikeness, okay, which I can tell you're still loosening up. Okay, so now I want you to stand now that you're starting to get loose. Okay? All right. Out of John chapter 10 and the 27th verse, okay, we are going to proclaim that. And so in a minute, I'm going to have Josiah use the djembe, okay, just to give us a little beat because that helps me. I'm a drummer, and so beats help me. How many people appreciate a beat? Just a little, just a little groove to keep things going. Okay, so we're going to memorize this verse together right now, okay? So, Josiah, I just need about... About that, just straight. Now, keep going. So, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, okay? Okay, here we go. Ready? My sheep listen to my voice. 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 One more time. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. Okay, good. Perfect. Now we're not done yet. Okay. These are the words of Jesus. Now today you're going to go home and you are going to have the words of Jesus in your mind and in your heart. Okay. So, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I was thinking about doing this, but then Jason prayed that we would hear his voice. And so, he just confirmed it. So, I'm sorry, it's Jason's fault. Okay. (laughs) So, that's the first half of the verse. My sheep listen to my voice. The second part of the verse says this. I know them and they follow me. I want every person here who knows Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. 
It's wonderful that we listen to his voice because we belong to him. And that, listen to me, he knows us. He knows us so well. You know why? Because he intimately, intricately designed each one of us specifically. Each one of us has talents and gifts and personalities that he made so he knows us. He knows us so well. You are known by God. You are seen by God, and God has crafted you to walk in his purposes. My sheep listen to my voice. Say it. My sheep listen to my voice. Now, the second part, Josiah is going to help us. I know them, and they follow me. Go ahead. Okay, not only does Jesus know us so well, but we follow him. If you ever struggle, like I do, with hearing the voice of God, this Bible verse is true for us. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. We can take great confidence wherever we're at in life that this is true. So we're gonna work on the second part and then we're gonna put the two together. We're totally going spontaneous here. Okay, okay, so let's just do the second part, Josiah, just about again. I know them and they follow me. 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 My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 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 Now we're gonna do the whole thing. Keep on going. We're gonna do the whole thing. And you can do it. Okay? So I'll say it once. You can say it with me if you want to. I'll say it once and then I want you to repeat. We got a little groove helping us and it's gonna continue to help us. So here we go. This is John 10. 27, the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, come on, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, come on, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. All right, give yourself a hand. All right, thanks, Josiah. That's it. Way to go, buddy. Give, give it up for Josiah. Way to go. All right, go ahead and be seated. That spontaneous moment was brought to you by Jason Haig's prayer. Okay, all right, wonderful. So you are now childlike. You now have the words of Jesus in your heart. And so, you know what? You can enter in the kingdom of God and follow Christ today. So I know we're just getting warmed up here and it's really, really good to be together. With I, I know some of you were here last week and but this is my first time being in worshiping with people for the last three months uh, in, in, in a church setting, so it's really good to be together. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead 
and go to John chapter 15. We're going to get there in just a moment. Um, I just wanted to um, share a few things right before we jumped into the Word. Yesterday was my oldest son Daniel's 25th birthday, and we celebrated Daniel's birthday. He's in Roseburg. He's serving as a youth pastor and doing some other work down there, and he came up, and we, you know, we looked at pictures, and we had friends over, and we reminisced, and just thinking through all the stages of his life, and I've had the privilege of being his dad. And just thinking over the years, just how, how many wonderful memories and moments that we've shared together. And there's been trials and there's been struggle and there's been so many good times and he's such a wonderful person. And, and just, I love him so much and I've loved every stage of his life. And, and my love has only grown for my son. My, my, my younger son, he turns 24 here in in about six weeks, and so I love my boys. I love my sons. And if I love my young men, my sons, that much, God loves us even more than I love my boys. And I love my boys a lot. And I know even for me as a, as a disciple here for many years, sometimes I'm not really connecting with the great love God has towards us as a father. And I want to begin our time by just setting that context that today we're going to believe the truth that God's love is great towards us, his father's love. He loves us deeply. He loves us deeply. He created us. He made us. He has, he really does have a plan for us to walk in. And his love is so great. So let's live in the reality that there is someone who is eternal, who has all power, who loves us that much. We are in the middle of a pandemic. We are in the midst of some racial strife and upheaval in our nation that hasn't happened with this intensity for years. Right now, we desire to see and even need to see more of Jesus right out there in the middle of it all, out there, out there in the middle of it all. Some of you are seeing that in the place where George Floyd was murdered, that the gospel is getting preached consistently, people are getting baptized, and there is worship happening there. We need to see Jesus out there more consistently. I just really want to be clear. I have been listening so much the last two weeks, listening to African-American leaders, listening to pastors and how they're responding to this crisis of racism. And I want just to make sure that we are all clear about in Jesus, there is no place for any racism. And I just want to bring up three uh, Bible passages so that we're really clear on that. So that if we need to do any repenting or renouncing, we can do that. Acts chapter 17 says this, from one man, God made every nation of mankind. From Adam, God created every ethnic group. That's what that verse is saying. God, 
it's God's fault. It's God's fault that there are so many different ethnic groups and he made them all, he designed them all, it's his plan. Jesus, in the Great Commission, in Acts, in, excuse me, in Matthew 28, says, go and make disciples of all ethne, all ethne, that's the word there, of all nations, ethne, every single nation, we are commissioned to go love and make disciples, okay? And then the end of the story, Revelation 5, Revelation chapter 7, there in front of the throne, in front of the Lamb, there's a great multitude that no one can count from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Our future destiny is worship with every ethnic group. So, Jesus created all ethnic groups, we're called and commissioned to love and make disciples of all ethnic groups, and we're gonna be in heaven worshiping Jesus with every race of human being. So the commission of God, the power of Jesus Christ in the gospel is to reconcile, redeem, and love all nations. So that is where we are as disciples. So now that that's perfectly clear and most of you were there already anyway, I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page with clarity. On Friday, in much of my listening, on Friday I was doing some more listening, uh, speaking with an African-American pastor uh, from our community, and he said, Steve, I can't get involved in these side issues of race. People have asked me to take places of leadership here and there, and people are accusing me of, of being a coward or not caring. He's like, I'm not there. He's like, here's where I'm at. I've got to preach the gospel and I've got to be clear at, on being a pastor. And that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the gospel. The gospel's the answer. And so with my brother, I want to say that we need and desire to see more of Jesus out there. He's going with the gospel and so are we. So what I'm going to share today hopefully will help us um, be more of Jesus. Um, and so we're going to go to John in chapter 15. We're going to read actually the first 17 verses of chapter 15. Now, right before I read, just a tiny bit of context. This is Jesus in the upper room. This is Jesus in the upper room on the night that he was betrayed. It's his last night with his disciples. Judas has left the room to go betray Jesus. So now it's Jesus and 11 apostles, okay? And so this is who he's talking to, his, close, his closest friends. Verse 1, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. I want you to notice as we read how many times Jesus is saying remain in and how many times Jesus is referring to fruitfulness. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Lord, lead us in this time. Transform us by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus here in this wonderful portion of his conversation with his friends leads us to hopefully desire to remain in him and bear fruit. Jesus says, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, over and over again. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. In this whole upper room conversation that he's having with his friends, he brings this concept of remaining in several times, not only several times in chapter 15, but also throughout the discourse, throughout the conversation that he has in other chapters as well. Now, Jesus says, remain in me. You will bear much fruit. He mentions fruit seven different times. At first, when he mentions fruit, he says every, he cut, he, the gardener, the father, cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. And then he talks about being more fruitful. And then he talks about being, bearing much fruit. And then he talks about bearing much fruit as proof that you're a disciple, and that's verse 8. And then in verse 16, he talks about bearing lasting fruit. Now let me just share with you so that you're clear that it is God's will for each of us to bear much lasting fruit. God has given us the capacity as disciples and God has planned for us as people who know Christ to bear much lasting fruit. Well, let's think about what is the fruit that God is wanting all disciples to bear? Well, first of all, in Galatians chapter 5, 
we, from Paul, learn what the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Some scholars would say that fruit of the Spirit is love, and all of those other words are just descriptors of what love is. It's the fruit of agape love, the love that comes from God. So certainly, living a life of agape love, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, is some of the eternal fruit that God wills for us to have in our lives and to share with others. In Hebrews, it talks about the fruit being the the lips that confess his name, that confess his name in praise, that confess his name as the Lord, that confess his name in thanksgiving. Certainly, the fruit I think God is looking for is the fruit of a transformed life, that ultimately, we are transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, that that every time we're thinking the way Jesus thinks, every time that we're praying the way Jesus is leading us to pray, every time that we are stepping out in faith as Jesus is leading us because we're in the image of Christ as, as Jesus followed the Father in the Holy Spirit, we are called to follow what Jesus says in the Holy Spirit. Every time that there is the fruitfulness of a transformed heart, that's the good fruit in my opinion, that God ultimately is looking for in us. But that fruitfulness affects other people's lives because they see Jesus. It is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. It is the fruit of a transformed life, walking in the image of Christ. It is the fruit of confessing and uh, and praising his name with our lips. God wants us to bear fruit. Jesus, in verse 4, he says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. So what is it to remain in Jesus? Well, first of all, even though these verses are calling us to do something, we're to remain. By the way, that word remain in is the Greek word meno, and it could be translated as abide, if you abide in me. It could be translated dwell. It could be translated, be present with. So Jesus wants us to be present in him. He wants us to dwell with him. He wants us to abide inside of him. And so what does that mean for a disciple? What is, how does he want us to live? And I, I think simply that we stay in his words. We stay in the leading of his Holy Spirit. We are deliberate about focusing in on him. And I'm going to talk about some ideas for that. And many of you are practicing rhythms of abiding in your own life already. In verse 7, Jesus says, remain in me if if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So he's saying not only remain in, in me, but I want my words to remain in you. We did... John 10, 27 today, so you've got some of Jesus' words hopefully remaining in you when you leave here. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Isn't that a wonderful promise that we have from the Lord? If we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, if his words are in us, Jesus says, Jesus says, the Son of God says, 
that we can ask whatever we wish. If we're in that place of his word, is in our heart and in our mind, and if we are in his presence, we can ask whatever we wish, and there's a promise that God's going to answer. Isn't that wonderful? So we're to remain in Christ, we're to allow his words to remain in us. And it's interesting here, verse 8 says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Bear how much fruit? Much fruit, a lot of fruit. God wants you to bear a lot of fruit. And I believe it's not exclusively so, but Jesus says this, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory. What's to my Father's glory? That you have answers to prayer in your life. That is another way that we're called to bear fruit in our lives. We ask God because we're abiding in Him and His Word's abiding in us. He grants an answer to prayer. This is to my Father's glory. An answer to prayer is to God's glory. And it's part of the fruit we're called to bear as disciples. What a gift. What a lifestyle. Listen. We get to live a life of being in Christ, his words remaining in us, asking God to do amazing things that only he can do. He does them, and it shows that we are his disciples and we're bearing fruit. That's the kind of lifestyle that we get to live. Lastly, Jesus calls us to remain in his love. We're to remain in him, we're to allow his words to remain in us, and we're to remain in his love. Quite simply, Jesus here in verses 9 through 17 is basically saying, as I follow the Father, as I, re- as I follow the Father's commands and remain in His love, I'm giving you a command, and the command I'm giving you is to love. You can remain in my love by following my command to love, is one way to think about what Jesus is saying. So can we choose today that we're going to walk in love? Not, be, not even in a human love, but we're going to walk in love that Jesus has provided for us. Jesus laid down his life for us. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father's side, and he sent the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. We have the resources of heaven so that we can walk in love. Remain in the love of Christ. Allow the words of Christ to remain in you. And you make deliberate choices to remain in Jesus himself. And you and I will bear fruit to God. I started to say that in this upper room conversation that Jesus is having with his apostles. He is talking about this idea of remaining in him and God in him. And I want to just highlight verse 20 in chapter 14. Jesus says it like this. He says that on that day you will realize, let me stop right there, on that day, Jesus is teaching in this moment about the Holy Spirit coming, the counselor coming. On that day, what is that day? It's when the Holy Spirit is in us, okay? When the Holy Spirit is in us, we will realize. In other words, the Holy Spirit brings that realization to us. So we have, again, we have that provision from God in the Holy Spirit, enabling us to realize what is true. On that day, you will realize that I, Jesus, am in my Father, and that you are in me, and that I am in you. Okay? You're getting all this concept. So Jesus keeps saying this throughout this upper room discourse. I'm going to just say that again so that we can meditate on it. In that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, 
You are in me, and I am in you. Listen, people. Jesus is in the Father. We're inside of Jesus, and Jesus is inside of us. I know, that's a mind-blowing concept. What does that mean? Well, just think about it. Just abide. Just meditate. Simply, like a little child. Remember, you've got to be like a little kid to enter into the kingdom of God. Just believe it. Jesus is in the Father. That's God Almighty everywhere. We are inside of Jesus. And Jesus is inside of us. That's the truth. God help us on that day you will realize. By his spirit, let's ask him. God, by your spirit, help each of us to realize, to own what is true. That I'm inside of you, you're inside of me, and you're inside of the Father. God, you are with us. This is the truth from which we get to live our lives. Hallelujah. What a life we get in Christ. Back to chapter 15. Jesus says here in verse 16, again, this is giving us confidence. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to what? To go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Listen, you are chosen. You've been chosen, and you have been appointed. I choose you, I choose you, I appoint you. I choose you, and I appoint you for a purpose to bear fruit, to be like Jesus, to love people the way God loves people, to reflect the presence of God, to live a life of remaining inside of Christ, allowing his word to live in you, to make requests of God, and have God Almighty answer your requests, bearing fruit to God, so that people see more of Jesus. You yourself get to see more of the living God actually happening in and through your life. What a supernatural, beautiful way that God has designed us to live. What a gift. This is eternal life that we get to live out in the provision that God has given to us. So when we think about abiding in the vine and our little responsibility to dwell with, to remain in, or abide in Christ, it all has to do with all this provision that he's made for us to get there. He chose us. He appointed us. He died for us. He rose again for us. He ascended for us. He sent the Holy Spirit. We have his word. We have one another. All that resource is there for us. And so if we take the majority of our time when we're choosing to remain in Christ, to think about and to dwell on everything that he's provided, we are inside of him and he is inside of us. And I want to encourage us, let that be the, the, the perspective from which we live our lives. Whether we're in the grocery store or reading our Bible or facing a business decision that's really hard to make or whether we're about to go into road rage driving down Delta Highway. God, help us to live from that perspective. Help us to remain in Christ. Now, as, as I uh, just begin to close, 
Abiding in Jesus has to mean something. In other words, yes, it's a conscious choice. Yes, these resources, these relational resources that God has provided are abundant for us. But the choice still comes that we are called because of the greatness of God's love towards us and what he's provided for us. We're called to be deliberate in cultivating what he's given. We've been given so much. Will we take this this, this lush soil and this high quality seed and this wonderful environment where the rain falls often on the soil. Will we cultivate what God's provided? And I wanna invite you, wherever you're at with Jesus, cultivate remaining in him. Cultivate meaning learn to develop a rhythm of relationship where you go one-on-one with Jesus. Adam walked with God and talked with God in the cool of the day. Where is your cool of the day? Find it and go cultivate it. Cultivate it. Take time to abide in him, to be present with him, just to be present, just to be still and know that he is God, just to worship, just to thank him. Take time to be in his presence and meditate on these living, active, life-giving words. Take time to be in his presence, to offer him thanksgiving for every good thing that you have. Take that time to cultivate the rhythm of relationship. Find a way to engraft that into your day, like a good amount of time, and then throughout your day. You know, there's a psalm, and the number is escaping me right now, but I will praise you. It says, I'll praise you seven times a day. I mean, take, learn how to cultivate, how to abide, how to go deep, how to take time with him. But then just throughout the day, any time of the day, re, re-abide, re-dwell, reconnect, stay connected with him. It's my prayer that, that myself and, and all of us, we would be abiding in Christ more, we would be abiding in the things of heaven more than abiding in the national news or abiding in video games or abiding in gossip or abiding, uh, abiding in whatever. Will we take time to dwell and cultivate relationship with Christ in such a way? And there's lots of tools, and I'm not going to talk about tools, whether it's journaling or different ways to meditate on the scripture. God has given us so much, and so will we take time to cultivate. Lastly, in closing, I'm going to go to John 17. God not only wants us as individuals to abide in him, but he wants us also collectively. Collectively. What does that look like? In John chapter um, 17, Jesus ends up praying for all believers. He's praying, starting in verse 20, that we would be unified. But in verse 21, you're going to recognize this rhythm again. He says, he says this. Let me just start in verse 21. That all of them, he's praying that we all would be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. See that concept coming up again? 
all right? Jesus is getting, I mean, this is not an abstract idea. This is a foundational truth that Jesus is communicating to the 11 apostles the night before he dies, okay? I'm just going to read that again, just when you have that perspective. He's praying that we would be unified, that we would be one, Father, just Father, as you are inside of me and I am in you, may they, everyone who believes, may they also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe you have sent me. I've given them the glory you've given me that they may be one, Father, as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. God wants us as individual disciples to abide in him and collectively to be in him and he is in us because he wants to reveal himself through us as we are abiding disciples individually and corporately. The world is dying literally to see Jesus show up on the scene. And he has given us the resources of heaven to show up on the scene in him, with him, and by his grace to represent him wherever we go. And that resource is there for us. He's provided so much for us to cultivate in our individual lives and then us collectively together so that Jesus Christ and his gospel can be more clearly seen in our lives, through our lives, to all people, all races, all communities around the world. And I am delighted that I get to live my life in Christ. Very, very thankful. I'm going to pray, and then Jason's going to come and end our service. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of eternal life. Lord, you are good to us, and we're grateful to be your kids. Lord, keep us. Keep us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.